Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Good morning, church. So good to be with you this morning. Uh, The 9am crowd was wild and I hope you guys are wilder, ready to receive God's word this morning. I heard the Father say this morning in my prayer time that you are about to experience great recovery. You're about to experience great recovery and great restoration. It's time to take the band-aid off on things you put band-aids on because he's about to heal us supernaturally. Amen? Awesome. Uh, Please turn with me to Genesis chapter 26. So if you've got your Bibles, your iPads, or any device, please grab it out because the Word of God is going to teach us this morning. A couple of weeks ago, um, the Father got me into Genesis 26, and He highlighted verses 15 and verse 18 because there was something um, that the Father was doing internally in me and adjusting in me, and then He said, now... I want you to teach it to my people. He needed to do the adjustment in me first before I could teach. And I'm still, I believe I'm still in the process of uh, adjustment. So you're not going to get away just reading verse 15 and verse 18. We're going to read through 1 through to 6 and 12 through to 18. Are we ready? Awesome. Verse 1, a severe famine now struck the land as had happened before in Abraham's time. Abraham's time. So Isaac moved to Gerar where Abimelech, king of the Philistines, lived. We know very well Philistines were the enemy of Abraham, Isaac, and the entire um, Israelite community. And now we see Isaac coming to live in that territory. And it goes on to say in verse 2, the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, it's quite interesting because in the Old Testament, you can hear his audible voice. But in this instance, it was important that the Lord uh, appearing to Isaac, he said, do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you to. The reason the Lord said to Isaac, do not go down to Egypt was because Egypt wasn't in famine. And secondly, because Isaac's father, when he was in famine, the place he retrieved to was Egypt. So here the Lord is saying, do not go down to Egypt because I'm going to show myself to you. Verse 3, live here as a foreigner in this land and I will be with you and bless you. And I hereby confirm that I will give you all of these lands to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised Abraham your father. Verse 4, I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky, and I will give them all of these lands. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Amen. I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed all of my requirements, commands, decrees, and instructions. So Isaac stayed in Gerah. He stayed in enemy territory. Now let's jump down to verse 12. When Isaac planted his crop that year, now just pause for a second. The, uh, the Philistine community were in famine for actually several years. And now Isaac is planting crop in the midst of the famine. And the, uh, the Philistines were saying, 
this newbie, I don't know what he's thinking. He's trying to plant crops when we're in famine. It's like we're in COVID and we're trying to plant crops. And I hope you do, as per the Lord's instructions. Because it says in verse 12, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted, for the Lord blessed him. Verse 13, he became a very rich man and his wealth continued to grow. Verse 14, he acquired so many flock of sheep and goats, herds of cattle, Servants that the Philistines became very jealous of him. The enemy became jealous of Isaac. Verse 15 was the uh, key verse that the father highlighted to me. So Philistines filled up all of Isaac's wells with dirt. These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father, Abraham. Finally, Abimelech orders Isaac to leave the country. Go somewhere else, he said, for uh, you have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away to Jerah Valley and he set up tents and settled down. We've got to understand he did not move out of the country because God told him not to move. He just moved from the main population and he moved into the valley. Verse 18, my second key verse that the father, that spoke to me about. Isaac reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names Abraham had given to the wells. A couple of weeks ago, I sensed that a sound from heaven was dispatched to unclog people's spirits that have been clogged up through lies, through deception, through whatever it may be, through addiction, through habit, whatever it is, in this season, there was this spirit, he said, I've launched a spirit, I've launched a sound to unclog people's spirit. And at that point, it was very clear because he was dealing with me first, and he said, I want you to share this. So if you're taking notes, the title of this message is Restoring the Wells of life, restoring the wealth of life. Scripture tells us two things about wealth. I hope you're ready to learn some stuff. Scripture tells us two things. Firstly, it tells us that we have spiritual wells from which we need to draw on for life. You know, we spend time with the Father, we pray, we spend time in the presence of God, we worship, we have a good Christian uh, friends that will lead us and point us to Jesus and not ourselves. Secondly, Scripture tells us that these worlds can get blocked up, meaning we do not have the, it stops the life-giving flow of Jesus flowing in our well. So the picture of Isaac unclogging the wells that have been blocked up by the enemy is a spiritual parallel this morning that the Holy Spirit is saying, I want to unclog the wells that have been blocking my people. Amen. We're living in significant times. I don't know if you know that we are living in significant times. And it's time for the church of God, the ecclesia, the called down ones to awaken, 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 be active, be on fire. And their wells filled up with the life of God, with the living living water of God for a thirsty world. He said to me, 
uh, let my people know this morning that he's going to use the wells of your life to bring resources of heaven to sustain earth. Let me say that again. He's going to bring the resources of heaven through your wells to sustain earth. Amen. And he said, get ready to accelerate. So there are two different examples I want to give you how the resources of heaven have uh, done this in my life. Firstly, I did not have access to a relationship with my heavenly father until Jesus was willing to give up his own life for my sin and my filth and everything I have done to die on the cross, to take on my place and on the third day to raise again to life thus creating a well of salvation. Jesus dug a spiritual well so I can access salvation, so you can access salvation. My second example is, I know my parents are watching online, my second example is that I did not have access to the resources of self-discipline until my parents implemented discipline. No matter how tired they were, no matter how exhausted they were, they implemented discipline on my sister and myself. They made sure that we cop the consequences for our bad behavior and bad attitudes. You know, my parents dug a spiritual well that provided me for, uh, provided me with discipline for a godly life. And I'm thankful. If you're watching, I'm so, so thankful for you guys. Let me say this morning, if a well is mentioned, we need to pay close attention. It is very, very significant because a well can be a person. It can be a person's heart. It can be a, be a person's spirit, their life. A well can be a community. It can be a church community. It can be a connect group. It can be your social group. A well can be our family. A well can be our business. The kingdom of God is expressed as as a well. And let me tell some of you single ones, wells were a place of connection. Isaac found his wife at the well, not he himself, but you know, his father's servant did. But, and also I wrote here, Moses found his wife at the well. Jacob found his wife at the well. Jesus was found chatting to a woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, and he said to this woman that he was living water. Today, we are the access point for others to obtain living water. Are you hearing me? You and I are the access point for others to obtain living water. Just like a physical well is the access point for physical water, you and I are the access point for living water. The work we do with our families to raise godly children is a testimony for our friends to come and drink of our well. Amen. The prayers we pray, we're digging spiritual wells. The servanthood we give others, we're digging spiritual wells. Going to the nations, we're digging spiritual wells. All of it bringing the life of heaven to earth. Amen. The enemy knows that our life consists of multiple wells. And right here, I have three buckets. All of these represent wells. I'm sorry, they're tiny, but you know wells are quite big. But I love analogies and I like to show things so it sort of cements in our heart. And the thing is, 
you know, this can be our personal life, this can be our family life, this can be our church life. The enemy knows we have multiple wells in our life and he seeks to clog them up. I did this this morning. He seeks to clog them up with dirt. Dirt such as offense, you know, hurt, discouragement, and uh, addiction, whatever it is, he tries to clog up our wells so we no longer are effective for the kingdom. I believe in this season, uh, uh, the enemy has sneakily been seeking to cover up, cover up our wells with dirt so that we are dry, unfruitful, unproductive, and no longer flowing with the life-giving water that it needs. And when our wells are dry and unproductive and unfruitful, let me tell you what it's good for. It's only good for one thing, the Bible says. It's, to, it's actually a wells used as a prison. The wells are used as a prison. Joseph was thrown into a well that had no water. Jeremiah was thrown into a well that had no water. That's in Jeremiah 38, 6. I believe the moment we start listening to the lies of the enemy is the moment we stop hosting the presence of God in our wells and our wells become prison walls. Rather than seeking his face, our wells are now clogged up with, you know, bitterness, hurt, and busyness of life, sin, addiction. Our living wells have become muddy water to house the plans of the enemy. The Father is saying we must never settle for muddy pits or muddy water because muddy water creates false doctrine, watered-down gospel, a shallow perspective on God and each other, weak faith, and we end up praying timid prayers. We need the pure life-giving water to not only sustain us, but the people around us. So we have to dig out the dirt till we find pure water. I want to say this morning that, you know, a physical well may not seem important to you because you and I have taps in our homes and we have access to water. But back in Isaac's day, you know, a physical wealth was considered prosperity. It was considered wealthy. It was considered an inheritance. It was a source of life to sustain livestock and their servanthood and their family generation. And the Philistines, the enemy knew about it. So their plan was to clog up the wells, you know, so that the people, the Israelite people would get uh, dehydrated, discouraged, and eventually feel defeated and just walk away. You know, uh, the Philistines uh, uh, just wanted to seize, their goal was to seize the land, seize the well, and drive Isaac away. I want to say this morning, that is exactly the plan of the enemy. He wants to seize our wells, seize our life-giving wells, and drive us away from what belongs to us. In verse 16, we just read that, you know, I don't know if you remember, King Abimelech, you know, said, you have become too big for me. I need you to go. I need you to leave. And Isaac did, but he goes into the valley and he, that's when he begins to redig the wells. I believe God is calling us to redig some wells. 
You know, he, did, he redug worlds of old and he redug worlds of new. I believe God is calling this generation to redig uh, uh, worlds of revival, redig worlds of prayer, redig worlds of worship, redig worlds of friendship, unity, redig worlds of prayer and fast, redig worlds where we stand in the gap and say no to the enemy, redig worlds of revival to usher in the kingdom of God. Today, we're about to give the enemy notice. We're going to let him know that he cannot house us in our, uh, as prisoners in our own wells, nor is he going to house somebody else prisoner in our own wells. Amen? Because God has called our wells to be on fire with the, live, with the living water flowing in them through our wells. Because when our wells are filled with living water, we have passion for God. We pray. We fast. We, uh, you know, we worship, we strive for unity, we're generous, we serve, we forgive and keep on forgiving. Amen? Amen. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else shall be added. If we find ourselves at the well, and I hope we do, I'm telling you, I'm guaranteeing you, you will find favor. You don't have to chase promotion. You need to chase the presence of God because Scripture says goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. Amen. The Father says I connect things at the well. I connect business connections. I do friendship at the well. I open doors at the well. And if you find yourself at the well, not only will you find living water, but I'll forever alter your destiny. Let me say this morning, the church is the living well for the expansion of his kingdom. So the enemy doesn't like it. And he will do anything in his power to scatter his church, his bride, to dismantle it, to pollute individuals or pollute people groups and to take them out. But do you understand that we need one another? You, we need to stick together. Coming out of this season, I've sensed that the uh, church has been distracted. You know, church has been tired and exhausted. And we may not have time or energy for the word of God or be in his presence or even coming to church. But that has been the tactic of the enemy. And we need to know that that is the tactic of the enemy. The reason I said church and not God is because you, th you see, you know, People will automatically say, no, God is a priority, but church is not. But church, let me tell you guys, church is in the heart of the Father. Hebrews says, do not forsake the gathering of the believers, the called out ones. We need one another. I want to say this morning, it's time to solve our distractions and fill up our wells with the life-giving word of God. We need to fill up our wells. We need to dig out and fill up our wells with the life-giving word of God. I was listening to an incredible Russian preacher by the name of Vlad, and he said that, I'm going to grab some dirt here. He said that, now, dirt in a farm is soil. Do you agree? I'll tell you why in a second. Dirt in a farm is soil, but dirt in a well, it's dirt. Okay? Here we go again. Now, dirt in a pot plant, 
Okay, I'm going to make a mess. Or in the backyard fuels the plant, right? But if I take that dirt and put it up here on the table, what is it? It's dirt. It's not fueling anything. It, it, it's no longer fueling. It's not giving life. You see, you take the dirt that's meant to be in the backyard and put it on a table. It's not doing anything. That's exactly the plan of the enemy. He takes the cares of the world. He takes sin. He takes distraction. He takes offense. I mean, he uses offense and he tries to plug up our wells so we are no longer effective. You know, we are burdened down. It's no longer soiling our hearts. Today, you know, I'm not here to, you know, bring any condemnation or conviction because that's the conviction is the job of the Holy Spirit. As he, you know, as the Father is speaking to me, and he's also speaking to you this morning. It's time to redig the wells just like Isaac did. The good news is that we have a shovel and we need to go digging. I mean, this is not really a shovel, but we need to go digging, digging out the dirt from our wells. Amen. And the Holy Spirit is going to highlight things that have gotten into our well and have blocked our wells. If we're remembering hurt and disappointment and if we're um, remembering things that does not align with Christ, we need to dig it out. Amen. This morning I also felt the Father said that there, there are some of us, some of us have allowed our love for him to grow cold. We have stopped pursuing him the way we used to. And I've written here, what my people don't realize is that my love waters their wells. Jeremiah 2.13 says, for my people have committed two evils. They have abandoned and rejected me, the fountain of living water. He's the fountain of the living water. And they have carved out their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. This passage says, our wells do not have his living water because we have abandoned him, the author of living water. And we are now trying to, you know, trying to fix our wells on our own strength. And he says, you can't do that. Let me clarify it further. Revelations 2.4 says, Yet I hold this against you, for you have forsaken the love you had at first. Basically, what it's saying is, uh, we have lost our water. You have a form of a well, but it's no longer watering your life. Because Jesus is no longer first priority in our life. You know, I, I, when I was writing this message, he, he started giving me all of this. He said, in fact, we are plugged up. And the Father is saying, I did not design you this way. To be imprisoned, hurt, bitter, trapped, distracted, disengaged. I did not design you to be busy with work, with school, with church, with anything that takes first priority, you know, uh, other than Jesus. I heard him say that they still, tell my people, they still, don't be discouraged, there's still water underneath them, but it's clogged up with dirt, you know, and he's saying it's time to dig it out. He said, the father said the water that is underneath, that's laying under, you know, where, while the dirt is on top, that water was meant to water their life, to water their relationship, to water their conversation, to water their marriage, to water their finances, to water their thought life. 
But uh, uh, scripture says, but you have quit drawing from the truths of my word. Hebrews 2, 1 says, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. So we're going to pay close attention to God's word so we do not drift away and get clogged up. So I've got four hours, if you're taking notes, four hours in order to restore the wealth of life. My first of the four hours is remember. Revelations 2, 5 says, consider how far you have fallen. Remember the good old days, Christine? Remember the good old times when you sought me first, you longed for me first. Remember how far you have fallen. Second point out of the four R's, repent. Revelations 2, 5 continue to say, repent. The same verse, the day we met Jesus, uh, you know, he was first priority and everything else took a backseat. Our family, our church, our finances, everything took a backseat because he became first and foremost in our life. And you know what Jesus says this morning? Anything, as long as you face me first, I will water the things that are behind. I'm not saying that they're not a priority. I'm not saying that they're not important. But he says, I will water those things behind you. But if you turn, if you give me your backs, I cannot water your things behind you. We need to face him so he can flourish the things that is behind us. He has to be primary in our life. Amen. My third of the four hours, it says, repeat. In the same verse, it goes on to say, Revelations 2, verse 5, it says, and do the things you did at first. What is the Lord saying? Do the things you did at first. Remember when you first gave your life to Jesus, how much you yearn for him, how much you long for him, how much you spend time with him, and how much you just went into the garden and, you know, worshipped him and loved him. Do the things you did first. And the fourth R is reward. Revelations 2, 7 says, to, he, to him who overcomes will be granted to eat from the tree of life. How amazing is that? Favor and reward comes when we begin to seek his face. Favor is when God begins to get involved and waters our world, whereas others are trying to cultivate their own world by their own methods. We have a partner. He's saying, look to me. Let me enter in. So when I'm your partner, I make you a better mother, a better father, a better leader, a better entrepreneur. He says, seek me first because I am living water and I water your world. The story continues uh, from verse 18 through to 29 and we see Isaac begin to redig the wells. Let me say this morning, when you and I begin to redig the wells, let me guarantee you that you are going to be met with opposition. You're not going to want to redig your wells. You're not going to want to confront and face the things that God is speaking to you about because it aches, it hurts, it intimidates. But God is saying, redig the wells no matter what. Amen. In Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 through to 18, we see Sambalat and Tobiah heard that Nehemiah was rebuilding the walls. And then he wanted to come against uh, uh, Nehemiah. But God 
threw the enemy's plan into confusion. When Isaac, the story we just read, when he began to redig the wells, he was met with opposition. When he was digging out the old wells, there were herdsmen coming and saying, don't touch it. These wells belong to me. And you know what? He didn't fight them. He just gave them the wells and he walked away and he began to dig other wells and other wells and other wells. But let me say this morning, Isaac did not build a wall. When he was building a well, he did not build a wall because it says in scripture that Abimelech, the enemy, had to come back again to Isaac. And when he comes back to Isaac, Isaac says in verse 27, why have you come to me? You are hostile to me and you sent me away. And the enemy answered or Abimelech answered and said, we saw clearly that the Lord was with you. People that have left our life for whatever reason may at one point need to come back and drink of our wells. So we cannot build a wall. We cannot build a wall. When Jesus was rejected on the cross, he wasn't building a wall or a barrier. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was building a well of salvation. Even the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they were able to come back looking at him whom they wounded. The Bible says in Zechariah 12.10 and John 19.37, the Bible says that they will weep looking at him whom they wounded. They're talking about Jesus. The reason some people may fight us on things is because their own wells are dried up and clogged up. But it's a time to unplug the wells. It's time to get the drainer out. It's time to get the plunger out. It's time to get the shovel out. And it's time to unplug the wells that have been plugged up. You know, in Romans 12, 17 says, Do not repay evil for evil. Do what is right. Live at peace. And the, it also says, Do not take revenge because revenge belongs to the Lord. If our wells are filled up, I want to say this morning, if our wells are filled up with dirt, clogged up with dirt, we will only end up hurting others. I mean, seriously, we will only end up hurting others. We will not take them into the Holy of Holies because we're not in the right place. Let me show you. Matthew 23, 13. It says, But woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. Uh, a, scribes and Pharisees. Hypocrites. You lock up the kingdom of heaven from people. For you do not go in and you don't allow those entering to go in. We got to stop. Look back, take stock of the things that are in our lives that would hinder others from entering in to the well. It's not natural to take hurt. It is more natural to give hurt. But the Father is saying sometimes it's okay to take hurt to redeem the situation. Because this will allow people who've spoken behind your backs, who've murmured, complained, and did things behind your backs to come back and ask for forgiveness. Amen? 
Leah and I are constantly digging spiritual wells, constantly trying to unclog because we're not digging for ourselves. We're, not, we're digging for our children and children's children, this church and leaders and our friends. Leah and I are constantly praying prayers for vision, for encouragement. We're digging wells for pastoring and evangelism and admin and leadership. We're digging wells of love, forgiveness and unity. And that means sometimes... You know, Scripture says the small foxes spoil the vine. That means we need to take those little things out that the enemy have thrown in order to tackle it. Light will always destroy darkness and truth will bring freedom. Each situation is different, I know, because they don't have the same solution. We learn from Isaac, he didn't build a wall. But what we learned from Nehemiah is that God told him to build a wall to protect his people. Amen? Uh, each, as I said, each situation is different, but we need to keep reading the wells. Because we see this church planted in the deeper recesses of the community, being a base church that will reach the un- church and the unchurch, raising uh, uh, this place being a well that breeds, uh, it raises up a generation that will go into the world and, uh, you know, make disciples. It'll be a healing center. It'll be a prayer center, intercessory center. Amen. God is calling us as instruments today to unclog the wells and reclaim the spiritual inheritance of our nation, of our home, our workplaces, our friendship, and church. Do you know, um, I'm nearly at the end. Isaac needed life-giving water. He redug the wells. He was met with opposition. And finally, that story says that he refused to rename those wells. Uh, well, it's a different name. He, he gave them the same names that his father gave them. We must refuse to rename the wells of biblical truth. Repentance and salvation through the blood of Jesus is, uh, is true today just as it was 2,000 years ago. Jesus is the only way to salvation. Today, you and I, here on this earth, we're given two opportunities. I mean, we're given one opportunity to decide which destination we will choose. Amen. Either we choose heaven or we choose hell. I hope we choose heaven. Let me say this morning that Satan cannot rob us of our salvation, but he can try to fill our wells with dirt. So that means we stop, stop drawing from the wells of salvation. Another important well that I want to speak on for a minute is the well of obedience. The mark of a true disciple is the well of obedience. Jesus demands obedience. He makes it abundantly clear in Luke 17:5. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I say? I believe... We're on the edge of revival. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. But but the enemy's plan is to snare us and entrap us and get us fighting with one another or get us fighting with whatever the situation and get us unfocused, so to speak. Maybe the enemy in this season have tried to take you from the inside out. 
but it's time to shake off the shake off the things that have held you that kept you bound it's time to shake off the ship shipwreck adventures to shake off the hurt the disappointment what the bad habits whatever it may be it's time to shake it off because god is wanting to do something in our life we need to allow God to crucify our gossip, our bad attitudes, our negativity because James 3:11 says both fresh water and salt water cannot flow from the same spring. He wants to bring renewal within us before he brings revival within us. I want to end with this story. Do you know the Samaritan woman You know, when she encountered Jesus at the well and Jesus said he was living water and Jesus ministered to him and uh, ministered to her and brought light and truth into her life. She ran to the village and said, come here, come here, come here. Come listen to Jesus. She did not run away in shame and say, "How dare you read my email? How dare you read my life like an SMS?" She did not get offended or hurt. She was thankful that Jesus was able to call it out. Call out what was stopping her from having radical salvation. And through her, revival broke out. People came to hear what Jesus had to say. This you know another thing is that you know if you do a little bit of study Samaria people never wanted to go through Samaria and they would do absolutely anything possible to avoid Samaria but Jesus had other plans he wanted the disciples to go to Samaria let me tell you this morning there are areas that you don't want to go into like some area Samaria you know but Jesus will take you to some area Samaria so he can bring revival and renewal in and through you and me amen stand to your feet right now i'm going to declare something over you as we pray as we have all eyes closed because he wants to unclog some wells This is from Brian Simmons this bit here. I hear I hear his whisper. My words withstand the test. The battle you're in is trying to shake the foundations of your faith. I don't want you to collapse under assault. I will give you what you need to overcome. It's time to pick up the sword of my word and slice through the lies and the darkness. Wrap yourself in the light of my word. Stand and declare truth. You don't have to scream it. You don't have to repeat it like a magic charm. But you do need to soak in its truth and keep it in your mind and in your lips. My word is faithful and true. It has been tried in fires of affliction and proven in t- times like this. So put it to the test yourself. The enemy will flee when you do. Yes, you are in battle, but righteousness will win the battle. My word has the power to redeem any situation. Amen. It shines into dark dark valleys and exposes lies. It illuminates areas in your life where you haven't let my light shine before. It reveals areas of doubt. It purifies. Beloved, apply the truth of my word. Put it to test. Put it to test. Put it to test. As all eyes are closed, we're going to put God's word to test. 
We're going to put it to the test. Break every shackle, God. Break every shackle, God. Break every shackle, every shackle, every shackle. Break every shackle. <laughs> I heard this morning the Father says, we're about to enter into a new season. You're going to leave the past behind and you're going to step into something new. But you need to address what you need to address first. Otherwise, it'll always entangle you as you look ahead and as you strive to move forward you'll always be entangled by all of this stuff that's clogging and filling up your wells break every shackles break every shackle father as we raise up a shout as we raise up a shout just like joshua did you're gonna break every shackle you're going to break every intimidation. You're going to break every shame. You're going to break every um, word that has spoken, not in line with the Father. You're going to break everything, every complacency, every lethargy, everything that is not of you. You're going to break it off out of us, oh God. Oh, we worship you. Come on, raise your hands. Raise your hands. You want revival? It starts with us renewing ourselves before the Father first. Turn from our wicked ways. Turn from our wicked ways. And we look to you. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com, or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.